0: Welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about The Burning God by R.F. Kwong, the third and final book in the Burning God trilogy. So let's rage with the magic of books. This, in a non-spoilery way, was an interesting book. A book that I am glad I read, kind of, at least once. I, I really doubt I'm ever going to reread this series, but it does have some powerful moments and some really good kind of thoughts behind it so i like that this this book was different than the other ones i felt like this one it just felt like a lot of chasing around and the plot changed rapidly multiple times that i would think it was going somewhere and then it would go somewhere else and then it would go somewhere else and it wasn't while i was reading it it wasn't bad i didn't feel like oh what a waste but some of the things that did happen made me a little confused as to like oh that's what you're gonna do right away like okay like i mean i agree i really think that her character work in this one is great her character work with rin uh right up until the very end the changes that rin goes through in a non-spoilery way are amazing they're Pretty believable I'd say. I didn't ever feel like, oh, she's just you know, out there. One thing I will say is I did get a ton of whiplash from Rin. Every like every other page it felt like I trust this guy, I don't trust this guy, I trust this guy, I don't trust this guy. Back and forth and, and just I wish she'd stuck with it a little more, just I mean the character, obviously, I don't know if I would change anything about how she was written. So, that's that. I mean, there was a lot of good character moments in this story. More than, I think, the last one. At least I feel like there were more than the last one. So, you know, and I can't say anything bad about her writing style. I thought it was really good. You know, I feel like she just keeps repeating this theme. If you've listened to the last one, betrayal and you can't trust and you have to do it on your own. And I don't know if she's just repeating it or if she's trying to, like, just hammer and reinforce this message that like Ren is all on her own and nobody, you know, she can't really trust anybody. So I don't know, you know, my enjoyment it. This book, it went up, it went down, it went back up, it went down. And I think I ended on a positive. It's a very interesting ending, not the ending. I definitely thought I definitely thought we were headed for, uh, the, an ending that is bad. And we did not get that, so I'm pretty glad um I'm just gonna get into the spoiler talk now. There's just so much I wanna say, but I don't wanna give it away. I mean, if you listening to the third book before you've read it, I mean, you should just read the books <laughs> so you know um but let's just talk about us. Let's, let's start with our characters. you know, Rin, ah, there's so much about her. What do I say about Rin? I feel like she's made some of the worst decisions. She's made some of the best decisions. Like again though, with the whiplash, she trusts this person and she doesn't. Then she tries to kill this person and stops herself and can't can't do it. And then she's like, Okay, well I can't kill you, so I'll just trust you implicitly. Or I won't you know, there was so with the Empress, the Vipress, she did not trust her a hundred percent, but she did, you know, listen to her and believe her and follow her. And I was like, Okay, that's cool. So like Rin as a character is just this She just keeps growing more hateful. And it was kind of interesting to see, you know, as near the end, she's getting less and less trusting. Oh, I can't trust you. You did this. Oh, you said this. I can't trust you. Oh, because she's been betrayed. I mean, I don't know how many times it's been betrayed, but but she literally gets betrayed by everybody she teams up with. It's quite ridiculous. Uh, It's like, I need one stable alliance. But then, of course, she starts manufacturing the betrayal. Right at at the end, we're just gonna skip straight to the end here. At the end, with Kite, and he's like, I'm not going to let you try and cause another volcano in Hesperia to burn the world down because it's not worth it. If we don't survive, if no one survives, it's not worth your freedom that you have. Like, and I agree with her on one point. Like, she wants to be free, she doesn't want to be under the Hesperians because the Hesperians suck, they're super racist. They have zero morals, you know, anything for the betterment of, of their religion, which is, you know, everybody has to be exactly like us. And if you're not exactly like us, you're worthless. And that's not true because obviously, I mean, that's not true in life, of course. And I'm trying to, trying to equate this to real life, but I kind of am a little bit like everybody's equal. Everybody is, this is similar. We all have different strengths and different weaknesses, But, like, Rin is too focused on her revenge and her rage, of course, because that's where she gets her power from. Like, it totally makes sense that she is only focused on retaliation, and she wants to hurt the Hesperians. But then in the end, she's like, you know, she's like, oh, Venka betrayed me because Venka said a turn of phrase, and she really believed it. And, you know, I'm a little iffy. Maybe she was a spy. Maybe she wasn't. Uh, That one's kind of a, a tricky one. But I don't know. Maybe, probably not. So... And then she's like, Kite, he turned against me. He'll never, you know, he won't let me call the fire because he doesn't want me to burn down the world. And it's like, but I want to burn down the world. I want to hurt these people. They hurt me. And ah, just that emotion inside of her where she's like, oh, he betrayed me. And you're just like, no. He is trying to help you save yourself here. Like, I I agree with you that you don't want to be under the Hesperians in any capitulation, but like Jeez, when you have zero tolerance for like oh, I I want to live well you want to live without fighting and dying you're a failure and you're a horrible person and you should be killed like oh the hesperians took over your city and you didn't immediately try to stab all of them like congratulations i'm here to kill you because you're not loyal enough to the land and you you know you valued your own life more than being a free life and it's like People can have different priorities, Ren. People can want to just live. Living is important to most people. So let's just say I was glad that she did stop herself from blowing up Hesperia and that she gave herself to Nezha, who kind of a – let's talk about Nezha now – kind of a, a big change. He went from, like, first book, no power, you know, very, very, very low low power – To next book, yeah, he's grown. He did some things on instinct, some big, powerful things. To this book, it's basically like, oh, yes, by the way, I'm in complete control of all my abilities. I can do anything I want. I suffer no adverse effects, at least none that we see, really, aside from the dragon always wanting him, right? But, you know, until he goes near the dragon, it doesn't really ever seem to affect him. He heals, he does everything. So I was like, how did you do this? Like, you have. No anchor, so you're not like Rin where she where she's buffeted from the effects. You have no you've had no training. I mean just instinct you're doing everything on, like you've been experimented on, you've done this, like did the Hesperians train you a little bit while they were figuring out how to stop you? I did like that the electric shocks stopped the uh the shamanism basically because your brain, you know, is getting electrocuted, so you can't really think. Or like be aware of that. That was a, an interesting choice. But Nezha, he's always he just is such an interesting character. He has he's always trying to make peace. But he always tries to make peace and then he's like, Well, I tried to make peace, I'm gonna fight you. And then I'm gonna win, but I'm not just gonna take my win. Or I lost, I'm just gonna, you know, keep suing for peace. And it's like, just do it one or the other. I like, I know that Rin and Nezha kinda have this romance relationship going on, which I I did like. I thought it was well done. But, like, come on, you guys, you've done this same dance over and over again. You fight, one of you prevails, they can't kill the other. They separate, you guys fight again, you can't kill the other. Until the very end when she, Rin, sacrifices herself. So, Nessa is kind of a weird one for me. I'm not, I'm not sure I 100% like him as a character. I feel like – I just feel like he's too wishy-washy. I always just side with the Hesperians because they do – well, yeah, of course you want to side with the Hesperians because they have all the food and, you know, the whole world just went through a uh, an invasion by the Federation, then a civil war, then an invasion and a civil war happening basically at the same time by the Hesperians and then the Republic. So, like, I totally understand. Like, nobody thought about the future. Nobody was like, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't involve the South where like 90% of our food comes from. Maybe we should just like logically try and like think ahead a few steps. And I get it that it's war. And this is a very realistic take on war that supply lines get disrupted, that people are afraid for their lives So they don't plant for the future because they're so focused on, I need to stay alive now. They can't afford to work on, to focus on, you know, the harvest next month or two months or six months, you know, because who knows if they're even going to be around. But just, you know, that silly thing. So let's move on. Let's talk about Kite. I love Kite. He's still so smart. I'd say he's almost too smart, except I have really felt like this since the first and second book. Well, especially since the second book, that he has got to be a little bit autistic or on the spectrum because he is always he doesn't like touching. He has certain things. He's very, very smart, though. And. But his mind works differently than other people, so it just makes me think that. And that would kind of just make me feel okay about how smart he is, because in his lack of social graces in other spots. But he, I just so insanely smart, takes apart everything and figures it out. I'm really glad that he finally showed a backbone near the end. It was just like, no, Rin, I'm not going to immediately just like let you call a volcano. And then he stopped her. That was a really good sign for Kite. And then let's talk about the uh, the next group here, the Trifecta, the Vipress, Giong, and Riga. And Zia or Giong, I prefer Giong. So I liked the, the point of view that we got a couple chapters of them in the past and then near the future. It was just interesting to see like how scared of Riga they were, the Dragon Emperor. And, you know, that she had put him to sleep with a spell. I was just like, uh, oh my gosh. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was really disappointed because I, I thought, and this was my bad for thinking this, but I thought they were going to get the trifecta. You know, Riga was going to be a jerk, but he was going to be okay. They were going to wipe the Hesperians out, knock them back, kind of re their land. And then it would be like taking down the trifecta after that. So when, you know, Riga's a huge jerk the whole time. Then Rin and Dodge, Su-Daji, Dodge, the Viperess, are like, okay, we got to betray you. And Jiang starts protecting her. And she goes out and signals the Hesperians that she just happens to know are following her somehow, which was a little iffy. Like, how did they find you? How did they, you know, why? How did they really do that kind of thing? And then this, that they, she blows up the mountain and kills the trifecta. And I was like, oh, uh, what? You just killed the trifecta? You're ace in the hole that you spent literal miles of book. Trying to get to. To blow up. And you just blow them up. And kill all of them. Like. What? That's. That was the. That's what we're doing now. Okay. So this is one of those things. Where it's just like. Uh, what? Okay. I guess we're just turning. And I guess we're just turning. And we're going this way now. And so. I really liked. I just her That was. You know. At least she had the gumption to do it. But again. That rage. And that betrayal. You can't live on rage alone. It was. Oh, just so tough. Um, One little complaint I had is that I keep feeling like she kept forgetting about her anchor bond with Kite. Where in the beginning, when it was introduced, it was like, oh, you're going to be able to feel each other's thoughts and kind of like communicate almost like that. And you'll be really close. But I swear half the time she can't figure out where Kite is or like what direction or if he's alive or not. And she's like, if he's dead, you're dead. Remember how that works? Like, you guys have this bond. Like, I just felt like it, she kept... Maybe it was just the way it was written made me feel like Rin had completely forgotten about her bond, even though she potentially hadn't. So it was just that part. That was like one minor thing for me. And then with the plot, really, it just felt like, like MacGuffin quest after MacGuffin quest. Like, oh, I'll go do this and I'll rescue these people. And then I'll get betrayed and kicked out. And then she goes and gets the trifecta. And then she betrays them to blow them up. Well, they betray Riga, which was like, if you knew he was that bad, like, why did you even bring him into the Sudaji, like, the viper's. Like, if you were going to be that scared of him immediately upon him waking up, like, why did you even think to wake him up? Like, why not just. I guess waking him up restores their anchor bond and the seal, but. Maybe you should have spent a little bit more time figuring out how to undo that seal that you placed on them, you know, instead of just not, I, whatever, that's a small nitpick again, but it was, it was a good book. Yeah. So I think all in all, I gave this book like an eight out of 10 or a four out of five. Again, I'm not really going to reread it, but I think it had, it has a very good take on war and the true consequences of war, but Truthfully, oh, this is, this is gonna be my last point. Truthfully, I think, uh, Nikara is screwed. Uh, every province has been utterly destroyed by war. Every single one. She has no money. She has no food. She has nothing. They have nothing to give the Hesperians except for, you know, the terms laid out by the Hesperians for the missionary rights and the trade embargoes and stuff. But, But seriously, how much food do the Hesperians have that they're going to be able to give to Nikara to feed them? Like, it feels like, I don't know, every battle it was like, and half my people died, and a seventh died here, and a third died there. Like, you're just killing, both sides, you're just killing thousands of people. How will Nikara ever truly recover? Like, I did like the very ending chapter where Nesha's, it's Nezha's point of view after Ren dies. And he's like, I didn't have to deal with the corrupt council, you know, the the, the warlords anymore. I didn't have to deal with this. Because Ren wiped the slate from everything. So I get to start from a ba- blank slate, basically. Except for the Hesperians. And I like that, that he kind of thought that and explained it to me a little bit better. And, but I was just like, there's no way. They have to fly the food over. They have to distribute the food. Like, yes, they're dirigibles make it so travel's a lot less tedious but it's still an insane amount of food and delivery and then starting a farm and plan and grow again like nikara is finished because rin blew everything up basically but it wasn't just her it was mostly the warlords betraying her over and over again and then her coming back to wipe them out so again i did like this book i think it was a good read if you can stomach the violence and the gore of parts of it so that's going to wrap up my discussion of The Burning God by R.F. Kuang. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions, comments, things I missed, you can always send those to libromancypod at gmail.com. And please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And remember to rage with the magic of books.